I got sober when I was 30, divorced when I was 33, and then that thing came through at 36, 30, I was about 37 years old, but it was not in my name. I so this is 22 years ago 22 years ago is when we started that fourplex. My credit, though, never straightened out until I was like 42. So, you know, whenever I tell my story, and especially to younger people like Denless, I had to laugh when you're talking about, like, he, didn't he sound stressed out when he was talking about looking at houses? I'm like, that's just the beginning, dude. You know, <laughs> you're going to feel that a hundred times, you know. Um, you get better at it, right? But it happens. You look at a house and you buy it and you go home, and you're like, oh my gosh. But, but that's part of it. I, I like that pressure and that excitement. But um, I tell everybody, Start whenever, you know. I literally have barely been in this business 19 years, and I'm doing okay, you know. I was able to quit my job four years ago, and I'm doing okay. I'm not where I'm going to be, but I'm kind of where I want to be. Welcome to Rio Radio, episode 65, with Ron Kendall. Didn't we already do this? I do it before the start, so he knows kind of where the break is. Okay, my bad. Continue. Is this your first episode or your 65? You're listening to Rio Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. Owen Dashner. I am so excited that we are leaving for our trip with Denless and a handful of other RIA members to go to Bigger Pockets conference this weekend. Have you packed yet? No. I, don't, I, don't, I have a ton of laundry to do. Like, I don't have any idea what I'm going to wear. Nothing. I, okay. I'm unprepared. So I have a whole bunch of RIA podcast shirts I had made up, which I, I'm picking up today after the okay. podcast. The, any sleeveless? Uh, you know, yes. I like those. I like to cut mine off, though. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and, then, uh, and then I'm uh, I'm, I'm ahead of Amar and, and pick up some new, uh, Ooh, fancy. Some new boxers and things like that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You want me to pick up some Tommy John? Sure. Game? Why well, not? Yeah. <laughs> Denless wants some. You guys too. could just PayPal me afterwards. Okay. That sounds like I a know your, I know your sizes. I am I am excited. I'm going to ignore that comment. I am excited about uh, BP three for me. BP Con three. This is my my third one. So Nashville, New Orleans, and now San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be exciting. I, There's some uh, cool peeps from Omaha that are that are uh, making the trip. We're a little less organized than we were last year. Last year, I felt like everybody was responding on who's going. We still have a big group going, but like it's very like disjointed. Not... Yes, thank you. Yeah. I, I I think it's because people decide in last minute as to whether they wanted to go or not. So, well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of last minute, though, like I booked my room and then I bo- booked my flight, right? Mm-hmm. And then I used up all my uh, my available Points. credit for the day on my card. And so then I went to uh, book the BP tickets, and I was like, "Oh, you've overspent your limit today, right?" And then so I'm like, "Okay." So then I totally kind of spaced it, and a couple weeks go by, and then somebody posted, "It got more expensive." It than sold it. out, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, no, it's not." So I, I jumped right on and I, I and it said sold out, but I went ahead and clicked the link anyway and was able to get my ticket. It just still let me it still sold it to me. And then it was like the next day it was like, 
who can sell me a ticket? Who can sell me a ticket? Yeah, there was a lot of that. Going and on. I'm and I'm like, I am so glad that I didn't get in that bad position because then, so like Megan Aaron's going and she was hanging out with Brandon Turner and Brandon, I guess, which is a part owner of the company, needed somebody to buy a t- uh, ticket and even him couldn't get more tickets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm like, if he can't get more tickets, I would bet S O L. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But yeah, it's gonna be gonna be exciting, man. Uh, so good weather we're we're gonna have while we're there. It should be a lot of fun. There's a lot of I heard on yeah, Sunday. There's a ton of good uh, good content, speakers, and all that. You're, you'll hear about it when we get back. Uh, we're gonna have a surprise episode for you, people, on yeah. the next one. Stay yeah. tuned. And then one of our goals. I mean, so I have a goal every time I go do any type of networking event. And I don't know what your final goal is, but I'd love to hear right now. But uh, so last year we both went. Uh, with the goal of learning more about podcasting, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then this time, I'm, I'm my goal is to learn all I can about short-term rentals mm-hmm. and kind of take that to the next level. But my second part of that goal is to get as many players or influential people that I think that the listeners are going to hear dead, or information and, and set up a time to podcast them virtually which is going to be a little bit different for us because we've always done in-person interviews mm-hmm. so that that's my other part of the goal what about you like what 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 are both your guys's takeaway what are you trying to get out of this event mine's a little weird because i have different businesses and it's kind of hard to like i don't i i'm going into this more open-minded i would say than than going with a specific goal of like i want to meet this person this person this person or take away something i want to learn more about podcasting i want to learn more about multifamily syndications. And uh, I'm hoping to run into some people that have experience doing hotel to multifamily conversions, which is a project I'm involved in that I never have been before and learn aspects of those things. And, but uh, the overall overarching goal for me is just, I want to meet really cool people further and deepen my connections with people that I already know in, in the Omaha market and maybe other markets that are going that I've met before but I want to expand my network, learn more about podcasting, real estate syndications, and uh, just meet some kick-ass people. That's really my overall thing. So if I go and and I get back and I've accomplished those things, I'll be happy. I love that one. Dennis? Yeah. So my own is more aligned with um, the fact that I'm a rookie and I want to learn, not learn, but like- Kind of, like, kind of, kind of even less than a rookie because you haven't gotten the first one yet, right? Right, exactly. So you know it, it. So so house hacking is something big, and I think David Green is doing one one um, breakout session in house hacking. So I'm gonna go to that. But I, but but I also want to figure out like creative financing ways that I could also apply. Even though I'm a I'm a rookie, I still want to learn about the creative financing ways. So that's that's kind of like one. The second one is aligning with yours and probably um, Owens too, which is getting more prospect uh, guests onto the podcast from different states because I think that would help our our podcast to really spread faster with if if we have a guest from let's say Kansas then they would have friends that they would share too and that Kansas audience would start to, to multiply at some point in time so I'm thinking of trying to get as many short interviews with as many people from different states as possible. I know there are going to be a lot of people from Omaha that are going to be there, but I want to stay away from them. I, I really <laughs> want to I really want to focus on growing the inter, not international but the 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 other states um listening to to our podcast. So well, one that's thing, my goal. One thing that we're going to try to do to, to in, in, include those Omaha people and the other people meet is we, we last time we did a big dinner 
and and we post that we have a special group that we created you know, you know Omaha goes BP con 2022 yep and so we're trying to bring those people out. So I do think it's good to bring that up, but also the people that you meet that would be influential and want to hang out with us. But we'll do at least one dinner to bring all those people together. But yeah, other than that, I think networking is definitely in, in meeting new people is my goal too. Let me ask you guys something. So um, I'm in a weird, like I kind of mentioned uh, with your last question on what's my goal. I have a, so, you know, we're obviously interested in growing the podcast and getting some really awesome guests on here, uh, which we have continued to do week after week. So there's that. And then there's, you know, I have a couple other businesses like my main ones that I, you know, am always interested in growing, which is like, you know, buying and selling houses. So I have my red ladder business and I have liquid lending, which we're trying to expand as well. But it's a weird thing when somebody comes up and asks you like, Oh, what do you do? And then like, if you own a few businesses like that, which how do you describe that without saying sounding a like you're bragging or a douche and and b like how do you know what to focus on with that you know what i mean like how do you i don't want to come across as like a big time you know like oh most you know you're trying to be all that or whatever i don't want to come across that way but also i don't want to miss an opportunity with somebody that might be looking for something that i, I could help with or whatever you get you, you know what i mean by that yeah, yeah. but but we're also real estate investors and and what I kind of say when we do a luncheon is that people look up to your bragging, right? So I host a luncheon once a month and it's our networking event. And I'm like, this is your chance to brag because this isn't bragging here. People are looking up to you and, and, and they're going to learn from you. Yeah. And, and, and I think of all people, I think you would know by now that in our industry and in what we do in this investing circle, it it's education and, and we're trying to bring people up and bring them up on another level, right? Yeah. And I'm Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. And then, and then look at it. Look at it from this perspective, um, Owen. You, when you talk about your businesses, you don't come across as cocky. You just come across as just you just answer knowledgeable. A knowledgeable. You, yeah, exactly. And knowledgeable. You're answering a question. They ask you what type of businesses that you have and what you do, and you answer the question. You don't be like, oh, yeah. You talk about your business, and then you start talking about how much money that you make. That's when it is you start being over the top, and it's like. You don't need to talk about that. You know, you just talk about the businesses that you have. So. You're, you're, you're talking. You're also kind of talking about the resources that you can provide, though, too. Exactly. Because you, the things that we do can help grow people. So, like when somebody talks to me, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So I run the Real Estate Investment Association of Nebraska. So, you know, in Omaha, Ria. So we provide education. We're going to teach you, and we have we have begin beginner level, and we have expert level speakers coming in. And guess what? You can do this all for a hundred bucks a year. And you get and, awesome discounts. Like, yeah. do, like people don't even realize the benefits of being a RIA member. I've like, saved $700 of my RIA discounts just in the last two weeks. Exactly. So. I mean, just, just, nuts, just to put that out there. Um, and then on, on the other side of that, though, you know, then I mentioned the podcast. Yeah. Because, I mean, this doing this podcast isn't free. Like we, <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're looking for sponsors. It literally costs us almost three thousand dollars a month to just do this podcast. Yeah, and so you know, we are putting this content out there for everybody else. So of course, I'm going to tell everybody listen to our podcast. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people who want to start podcasts think, oh, podcast is just this cheap thing because it's only audio. It's only just recording a little bit of video and nothing big. But they don't realize that the producer costs money, the cameras cost money, the, the rental of the studio costs money. Like, there's a lot in it. If you want to do it yourself, you can, but it's going to cost, check this, right? 
what how do you value your time? Do you value your time at seven, six, eight hundred dollars an hour? If you do that, then why are you like why are you kicking up fuss for someone who's charging you two hundred and fifty dollars an episode or three hundred dollars an episode when it's probably gonna cost you like like if you do it yourself close to two grand an episode? You know, like it, because of your time involvement, exactly because yeah. how much time you have to edit, um, dedicate to it. So mm-hmm. and the other thing I talk about too is like you know I don't talk I don't promote my my real estate company in front of my 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 RIA group, but when I talk to people individually, I'm like, hey, and just so you know, I had twelve investment agents behind me. And we can help you find investment properties because that's probably your goal, right? Is finding investment properties. I mean, that's that, that's my biggest one of my biggest focuses for many years. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm help. That's another thing to help somebody else grow, right? Okay, so Owen, what do you do? I'm a podcast host. I own a hard money lending business, and I buy and sell a lot of houses. And then I have some. I have some rental holdings. Can I buy some of those houses from you too? Sure. See. <laughs> and there you go. You 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 have given value to someone with your answer. It's not all about you. It's about how it is. So you how can was them as well? How was that? Was that did that describe? I mean, was that adequate? That was enough. Okay. And then if if it's if the person wants to find out more about what you do, then they would be inclined to ask more questions. They would dig. You don't need to go deeper than that. Perfect. You know. All right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about your hard money lending. How many <laughs> how, how many doors do you have? What's your yeah. buy box? <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let me pick your brain. <laughs> Some more. This just went bad really, really fast. So. Well, let's keep it good. I mean, let's talk a little bit about today's golden, golden nugget. nugget. Today's golden nugget. Dennis and I were talking before this aired about the risks of delving into a waiting to be gentrified part of town. Okay. So there's... We talked in, I think, last week's episode about talking to your city planning department about what the plans are for city development, what's going to be a newly developing area, and getting in the path of progress. The downside to that whole approach is if you're too early or if you don't control enough of an area to really move the needle and then you're stuck with a really nice property surrounded by ghetto. Right. Mm-hmm. So the golden nugget here is pay attention to the big picture, which is, are you too early in an area and are you correct that the city is actually going to be developing and your timing is, is uh, decent. So you don't want to be the first one in mm-hmm. if you're only going to control one parcel or maybe two parcels in an area that has boarded up, you know, uh, like a lot of crime boarded up windows cars that are on blocks or whatever. You know what I mean? So keep an eye on the neighborhood. But I I would say, in general, you don't want to be the first one in. And if you are the first one in, you better control a large Lion. swath yeah. of, of parcels mm-hmm. so that you can make a big difference in developing the community. A la uh, Jerry Reimer and Scott Simrad, who cleaned up the Park Avenue corridor in Omaha. They basically started buying everything along that corridor and really changed the whole dynamic of the Midtown market in Omaha. I mean, they're, they set the, they set it and, and said, okay, we're not just doing one house or one apartment building or whatever. They started buying a big chunk of areas and, uh, now it's awesome. I mean, right. It's still, there's still work to do it. So it's a, it's, it's a heavy lift when you're trying to change your neighborhood. I kind of feel you a little bit too, because, uh, you remember it was probably 
10, 15 episodes ago, I started talking about the sports complexes going in down the road here. And it was one of my, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to develop this area I'm in, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking to buy additional. Well, the funny part was on the news yesterday, they just announced that even though they bought 30 houses and fenced everything off and moved everybody out, um, because of costs getting too inflated, that they had to suspend the project. Yeah. And, and I mean, can you imagine if you like went all in on that and you bought up a whole bunch, like millions of dollars worth of land or properties with the intent of developing it because you wanted to be in the path of progress of the city when they when they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to build a sports stadium and all these new commercial developments. And they're like, eh, hang on, we're going to hit pause on that for like mm. five years. Mm. And you're like, uh, bro. <laughs> like I'm all in. Like what's going on well, here? And, it sounds you know like, I mean? and for this, it sounds like it might be indefinitely because they because now they're like now the neighbors are freaking out and they're like we don't want these are all owned homes and we don't want an investment company coming in and making these all rental properties. Mm-hmm. So this is a cautionary tale to follow up my encouragement to call your city planning committee last week and say how can I do this? And then now I'm saying. Be careful because <laughs> you don't want to be the one that's uh, left holding the bag when the na- when they hit pause on a redevelopment. You never know. You never yeah. know. What you got in the news today, Owen? Oh, so this is provided by Ted Kosh of Kosh Money Investments. Me, me? Yeah. So Ted just actually – this was an interesting article. So uh, Jared Kushner owns a – which is owned a business called uh, Jared Kushner Company, I guess. So he was uh, DJ TJ's uh, son-in-law. So Jared Kushner, uh, husband of Ivanka Trump, had what was this DJ TJ thing? That you have Donald J <laughs> Trump Jr. Was it, That's was, what Jimmy Kimmel calls him. Okay. DJ TJ. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, Jared Kushner owned a, a company that bought a whole bunch of apartments in Baltimore, Maryland, and got some really bad pub from tenants that basically got together and talked to the news and formed uh, basically a, a, a legal defense or a legal... They, they were basically suing him for the fact that they had run the properties under the ground, were charging way more than they should have for the conditions of the property, the conditions were poor, all those things, right? So just not not good owners, not good landlords. Hopefully we don't get sued for this. Um, but hey, we don't have any money in Rio Radio, so there we go. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he he they ended up settling out of court with no admission of guilt for three point two five million dollars. I bet they could renovate that place real nice with that money. Yeah, right. So they they settled out of court for that for this uh, group of tenants that uh, were mad, understandably, for shoddy conditions and and so forth. So that uh, that's today's news segment in the uh, national scope. Wow. Yeah, interesting, I bet, I bet right? We could dig in a little bit more. Where can people find more information on this story? So this one was was in the Daily Record, which is a, an awesome resource here in the Omaha market. And uh, Jason Huff, Jason Huff yep. uh, runs the Daily Record and puts out like a lot of great content. I was kind of skimming through that, and I'm going to subscribe to that. I haven't up until now, but I was skimming through that when you handed it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a ton of useful stuff in here, like topical things, like potential golden nugget material so stay tuned i may reference that we actually gotta make sure we talk after this too because i uh he went and walked your properties and he wants to rent out all. oh your, man all, I, went, I didn't know this he wants to rent out all your commercial base that's kind of scary and, and exciting and, and he's willing to wait for the construction to be done so i need to set up that with you 
So I feel like now I have to subscribe to the Daily Record. But. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. That's exciting. Um, but Daily Record, really cool. I mean, if you're in the real estate game, get that publication. It is not expensive. It gives you great info. There's some really topical articles in there. Rhea Radio was mentioned in there. There's a horrible picture of me published, but uh, that was a different magazine. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yep, that was actually in the Rhea's uh, national publication. It was out quarterly. So you're mixing two uh, two papers I put on your desk. At that's the same what time. I do. So I, I, yeah, I can only handle so much media input. So Ryan Basie was actually in the the National Ria's uh magazine. It goes featured. Out, he was fe- featured, featured right? as the member of the of the month because of the Ria Radio podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe can we link that in the notes cuz I don't know the episode off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And uh and because of all uh what he gets into with uh, Oxford Homes, which funny is we're going to get into that today with Ron Kendall. Yeah. Uh but they did a feature on him because all his giving back. And, uh, and then they did an awesome picture of Owen in there with my eight chins, uh, my profile view. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> just, just terror. I have no idea where they got that picture. It's the worst. Just, anyway, just think of your Thor body back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, so uh, check it out. And if you're not, if you're not, if you don't subscribe to, uh, if you're not part of a, the Rhea group nationally, um, if you go on Omaha Ria uh, Facebook page, I did put a link to that article on there too. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. So a little bit today's podcast. I mean, you had no idea who Ron Kendall was coming in. Never met him. Had no idea what he looked like. None. Of, I didn't know his backstory. Nothing. So like we, Ron, we call him the human cheerleader. Like he is like so positive. Uh, Might be one of the most full of energy guests we've ever had on here. There's a lot say. of first first times there was. Him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get deep into his his rehab. Um, we get deep into his Airbnb stuff. We get uh, we 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 talk a little bit about his mentorship and how it impacted his life. Um, I mean, this is like a story that we've never done on on this. Mm-hmm. And, and he actually has been declining me to come on for almost fifty episodes now because he felt like he wasn't worthy or ready or whatever for it. But he, you, he, you wore him down as you do. He also said we had too many people going that went through a sobriety on there, and he and he needed to wait and distance himself from all the other sobriety people. <laughs> so this is. Actually, really cool and inspiring. And he's a recovering alcohol and drug uh, abuser and has turned his life around completely, got into the real estate game, has a supportive uh, significant other. They've done some cool stuff with Airbnbs, which you'll hear more about in the episode. And a pretty cool little accomplishment that he just found out uh, right before this aired about one of his particular properties that he lives in. which we'll get into right in the beginning of this. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so just fun and heartfelt, and it, it's a lifetime movie made into a podcast because he's done some inspiring things, and he's told some pretty, you know, he talked in detail about some pretty tough times and dark places that he was in early on before he got into real estate. So I just... I think he has a great story, fun guy to talk to, uh, really good hair and white teeth also. So that's uh, that always helps. And at the end of it, uh, he he really gets into the people that impact his life and mentorship. I could tell that he was definitely emotional. He took that seriously. He had a whole list. It was like an uh, like an Emmy Award. You know, he put busted it out and read them all off. I loved it. So, yeah, definitely stay tuned to the end. And then, uh, again, if you listen to us uh, for the first time, please give us a review on whatever format that you listen to it. It really means a lot. Uh, but also not just give us a review, please subscribe to our podcast and, uh, and then give us a five-star review on there. It really means a lot to us. We're trying to grow this to a national status and we appreciate you guys and everything you do. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast with Ron Ron Kendall. Kendall. Ron Kendall, what is it like? 
to have the number four Airbnb in all of Omaha, Nebraska, and the surrounding area. Tell us about it. Well, I just found that out about 20 hours ago. So I'm still kind <laughs> Hot of off t- the press. <laughs> I'm still kind of taking that in, although I'm not surprised. Um, it, 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 it's, it's cool. I like it. It's, um, I, I, it, honestly, like I said, I just found out. He's speechless. So. I, I kinda, I'm kind of speechless. It's just been 20 hours since I found out. And um, uh, I'm proud of it, though. I am serious. Of course, proud you of should that. be proud of it. I, so, I what is this property? And tell us like how this all came about. You just found out recently, obviously. That we ranked that we ranked like that. Yeah. I mean, I knew that we had 100 and I think 10 all perfect reviews. We've never had a bad one. That is um, insane. Yeah. 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 So, and I, I don't necessarily respond to all of them unless there's like a specific question that somebody asked, but um, I do give feedback to all of my guests and uh, not all of them give feedback to us, but um, so yeah, like I knew everybody loved us and seriously, (laughs) I did. And like, and and even Shauna, like when we read the reviews, I've seen her in tears and I'm not going to lie. I'm like, are you kidding me? What? This is crazy. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, it's super cool. It is. Tell us about this property and what makes it so exceptional and and why why you have been able to achieve that. That is not a small thing. I mean, we've got about a million population in the Omaha MSA and the number four Airbnb out of that many, you know, people is a significant accomplishment. Right. So we're in Ponca Hills. So we're up in the woods. Um, and there's like wildlife, you see deer and turkeys and raccoons all the time. So that part's cool. Um, also our house has been referred to as a resort. Um, we have a a hot tub, a six person hot tub, a swimming pool. We have a game room, an arcade. Um, and that really is all we have. I, we, I mean, we have, it's a two bedroom, one bath, um, it doesn't have super great countertops or, you know, stainless steel refrigerators. Actually, our refrigerator is about um, – it's two refrigerators side by side. They're, they're um, about 30 inches high, which is kind of cool. But um, I so there's some weird things like that. But uh, I think that the biggest thing is that we live there. Um, so we're able to decorate the house um, – Max it out with all kinds of wherever we travel, which is a lot. We always bring back something and put it in there in a you know specific spot, and and we've had a lot of reviews that that talk about that. That um, you know our decorating is is uh, I guess above par, especially for an Airbnb because. Um, we're there and we can see on camera if they walk out with any of it. Maybe, I don't know, but, uh, you know, we also do breakfast. Um, so, um, we supply bread, milk, eggs, yogurt, um, cereal, um, all kinds of snacks, snores, uh, s'mores. <laughs> you supply the snores also. Okay. Usually that's where I come in. <laughs> Shauna puts together a nice s'mores pack. We had, there's a fireplace in the house. There's also a fire table out by the pool. Um, and then there's a fire pit. So, we kind of try to cover everything. Um, we do um, – if we know somebody's coming there for an anniversary, um, Shauna will do chocolate-covered strawberries, um, nice touch. Um, so I, I think things like that. It's just – I mean, literally, our swimming pool, even though we have a camera on it, the neighbors can't see us. Um, from the hot tub, it's completely secluded. So I think that's a big deal, you know. Um, so this – so you have – converted your well not converted you've basically repurposed what was originally a single family home a primary residence for you and and made it into an Airbnb also 
correct? Is yep. that or did you go into this purchase saying, you know what, this would make a killer Airbnb, and also we'll live there? What was the was it the chicken or the egg? So Shauna turned me on to it June maybe of so it's been it's coming. Sean Sean is your Sean's my girlfriend, girlfriend, my significant other. Yes, so she turned me on to it June of it'd be four years coming up in December. We went and looked at it. And it was it was out of my price range. I literally was getting ready to quit my job, um, and I, I had a good credit score. I, I had the means, I had the money, but wasn't really a perfect time. I was just get, getting ready to quit my job and go into full time, you know, real estate and investing. And we looked at it in June. It was still on the market, like in September. We looked at it again, still on the market. October, no, I think October. I finally made made. It was October when I I came down. They were asking three fifty. I I went with three fifteen. They took it. But that's a steal for that area. It, it's not bad at all. I just had it appraised, and it was three seventy five. Which I mean, now then, it's, how much? You got a lot of land there too, right? We got an acre and a half, and mostly wooded. But I did know I couldn't afford it, so I told Shauna, "Here's what we can do. We can." Make it. I'll make an apartment in the basement. The, the master bedroom was already in the basement, so that was totally cool. And I just had to add a kitchen, and I added a laundry room. It's that's one thing about like if eight guests are there, it's hard to do the laundry. <clears throat> so um, it is. It's, it's with with one set of um, one one washer, one dryer was too much. So we put in another laundry room, and we couldn't do laundry when we had guests. And sometimes we had guests for ten days. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, so weird. Literally, she was talking about going to the laundromat. And I'm like, this, that's ridiculous. So we we had that. <laughs> so you but, basically have to hit pause on all of your housekeeping activities. While, <laughs> pretty or, much, right? <laughs> you pretty until much. they until they're gone. And also having guests over too. You know, there's our apartment is just it's it, it's I don't know 400 square feet. So it's, it's not great for guests. In some ways, this kind of reminds me of the whole Brandon Turner conversation when with his place in Maui. Yeah, Brandon from Bigger Pockets, and he talks about how he couldn't afford the house. But he knew that he could it, it, he could rent out the the ADU. guest house and ADU, yeah, and and could afford it. And it sounds like you kind of looked at it in the same way, right? It's pretty much the same thing. I knew that we couldn't live there without doing it. I did not know like this year, which is not even over yet. It's they don't go off a of fiscal year, so it'd be January. So this year we're at like sixty k right now. That's before tax and what Airbnb takes out, but. Um, I Six, mean, 60 K for revenue out of Airbnb, yep. your, your personal home. Yep. And the goal was 92. We didn't make it obviously, but we, we have, well, we have a few months, but we're probably not going to make it, but still, I mean, our house payment is 2,700 and with our bills, I mean, so it, you're doing okay. We're doing okay. And what's, what's, <laughs> this place, live, what's the rent for per day? So like in the summertime, it's we're at four fifty when the pools open, yeah. and um, I guess just June we're at four fifty. Then we go to three fifty the rest of the time. As soon as we close the pool, we go to two fifty. Mm-hmm. So um, pool closes October twentieth, and um, but we already have some bookings in November, and um, we had a couple. We have a couple in October. There's some guests there right now. Uh, so. All right. I, do you mind if I dive into this a little bit? So yeah, you yeah. you live in an Airbnb. So this is kind of a house hack hybrid uh, model. Pretty much. What are the pros and cons of going with this type of a setup? Because it's I, I think it's genius. I mean, you're getting all of your housing paid for. Plus. 
plus, yeah. and and you're able to pocket some plus, money, like thirty grand a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah. I mean you basically have a part time job, which entails you picking up your stuff and carrying it to the basement, and and living there <laughs> in an apartment. We, we really that's what it is. Right? We really, yeah, that is what it is. We really don't live upstairs at all. When there's no guest, we do have other people over. I mean, we do Thanksgiving there. We block it out. We, we, we set up our Christmas tree and we block out like one week, but then we have guests come and our presents are up there under the tree and hopefully then nobody will ever open them and take them. But, um, so, I mean, but that might be one of the things, right? Is that it's so homey that it's, it feels like home. It's like a white elephant gift for any guest. Maybe, hey, you could incorporate that and you could take over the number one Airbnb spot for Omaha, Nebraska. Well, just, just put Christmas well, gifts out. Well, now that I know we're number four, we might certainly try there for you go. number one. Yeah. one. One of my favorites was there was a, a kid. Um, he was eight years old. He said his mom, they booked twice. They came, I think, in June and then they came back in July. And his mom said, and she did put this in the review, I think that uh, – she that the eight year old said it's like being in heaven, but you don't have to be dead. And <laughs> I just I really wow. wanted to have a t shirt. Made oh my that god, kid. that is the best I, review I know, ever! It, it is. Yeah. And so I wanted to have a t shirt made for that kid, but I I didn't get that done. But I did write it on the chalkboard. There's a chalkboard in the kitchen, and I wrote it on the chalkboard. So I'm gonna write that down back. right did, now. Did you qu- so did you quote him underneath it? <laughs> I did you, not. But oh I'm my god, you best, get, best review ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you should get a yeah. chalkboard and have like somebody that has actual good handwriting. Not that you don't. But <laughs> no, I don't. Write <laughs> l- write that up there as your slogan for the house and put it above like the entryway. Like it's Car- like being in heaven but you're not dead <laughs> i like the idea though of yeah quoting the kid but i don't know his name so i'll look back through the reviews and and maybe we, we have a, we have a mutual friend garrett garrett schmidt he's a woodworker he yeah have make a really good cool wood sign and put that up. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've actually talked to garrett he's gonna do some work at one of my houses yep he's great at that yeah. so how, how does somebody find out how their Airbnb ranks truly. Like where like where did you find this information? Um, let's see. A coworker told me yesterday and then Shauna looked it up later in the looked day. Looked it up and, on and Air, that, on, that's how I know that on we're, we're number four. On Airbnb or was this a site or what? Like vacationing sites, I guess. Okay. I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm terrible with the, Can you send could you send I'm having trouble with this mic in these ears. I don't <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not good at this kind of thing. Could you send us the link to that, and then we can put that in the show notes for uh, people to check it out? Yeah, I can have Shauna do that. Okay. <laughs> by the way, by the way, you're, you you are no longer going to be upstairs at all this, after this airs. Well, so you're going to get okay, a lot too. of a lot of additional traffic out of there because we're going to link to your Airbnb and this uh, in the show notes here. Let's do. it. I am excited about taking my family there. So just so you know, I'm probably going to be upstairs from you uh, in a couple of months. Okay. Well, because Owen has it lives in a lake. But the lake has uh, been so low, he hasn't even been able to use the water once. It's more of a puddle right now. (laughs) I did know that you lived on the lake. Um, Yeah. I think if you do want to book, though, we do a lot of cash deals where we go around Airbnb. So hopefully nobody from Airbnb (gasps) is listening to this podcast. How dare you? I know. It's it's bad. (laughs) Well, why wouldn't you you have your own booking site? Okay. Well, we don't have our own booking site, but like many of our friends have just booked. I mean, if if you're a top 20 uh location in your city i mean truly you should have your own booking website for the, for Th- that that actually is a great idea and i might look into that like i said i re- i didn't know that we were i didn't know where we were this is like an incubator for business ideas <laughs> this podcast yeah. right here so, yeah. so, so like is, is there a way that you could advertise on airbnb but like in the description right 
if you want a cheaper rate, go to <laughs> that, this website. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they scrub so. it for that type, that type of content, Dennis. But good idea. For the longest time, you couldn't even put your phone number. They would block it out if you tried to like message through the their message system. They would block out your phone number, huh. and then we try like an email, and they would block that out. And you try spelling out the the phone number, and that would work. <laughs> I, I think they've gotten more laid back now that you actually can do it. But I, I know like two years ago you could not you could not put your phone number in there. Well, so. we were interviewing Travis Wiswell a couple weeks ago, and in that interview, he talked specifically about Airbnb out his personal home. Which he actually lives right next to me, and he said that didn't he say he made he made fifty thousand dollars on Airbnb and that out? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it, it's a good number. It, yeah, I mean I forgot what the number is, but yeah, he, it was a significant amount of money. But give up your own personal place, but he actually would uh, take the kids out in the camper. Oh yeah, and go on a vacation or whatever. Or not. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you've been doing this four or five years. Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. Are you burned out yet? Are you going to keep doing this for a while? Is it still fun? Like, is the oh, is gosh. the girlfriend still on board? Is she like, this, I, I don't have any privacy. What's going on? This is her idea. She No, it, it really wasn't. It was her idea by the house. Oh, okay. She didn't really have the means to pay for it. <laughs> so, honestly, it, it wasn't easy for her to go, yeah, we're going to buy this beautiful house, but um, we're going to live in the basement. And especially when we tell our, like, some of our friends are like, ew, you live in the basement? Because they have an idea of what a basement is but it actually is very nice but um well, she, I've, she didn't I, like it at first i've so. seen your work on your remodels and, and that's and, that's what and, I and you do. go you go above and beyond on your work and you do it all yourself i do so i'm assuming that you you made this basement beautiful i really did and i had to make it really more beautiful for my beautiful um significant other because it it just it, it kind of sealed the deal she gets it now totally though and she loves it and no that's not nowhere near the end we are looking at, our goal is to have a couple shipping container homes up in the woods in the back and then also i want to do not i want to i'm going to do a trail like around the around the property so that people could run walk whatever through the woods i so. noticed you caught yourself on that I did. Is it is is that like a mental thing for you? Oh, it's a huge thing. Yeah, you mean like that mindset of yeah. I want to you know, or when, I'm yeah, going to. We're talking to. about our goals, and I've heard you say correct people too. Oh, and and I correct myself a lot. It's like I want to. Oh, really? Well, guess what? You're probably not going to have it, right? So if I if I say I'm going to, then I'm going to, and I know I'm going to. So I love it. How big of a part of your investing life is is Airbnb or short term rentals in general? So I just, I manage a short-term rental for my son. And then I have a studio apartment that a friend of mine actually is putting on Furnish Finder. I was cleaning it up one day and he came over. He's like, what are you going to do with this studio apartment? I'm like, well, rent it again. He goes, I'll rent it from you. And he lives across the street and he rents rooms. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, I'll give you 850 a month. And I go, okay, I was getting 700 And uh, he turned me on to that idea so then i started doing one for my son so that's all that i do is those three but it's a huge part and i know that i will continue to make what we have even bigger so okay here's the real question for you 2020 so you've been you've had this airbnb for four years now yeah what happened during covid and and how does that affect your outlook on airbnb as a heavy part of your portfolio or a light part either way like I'm curious on on you've you've been through all this. It's like yep. you know an investor that's been investing since the Great Recession. Like they always have stories. So what's what's uh, the story, Morning Glory? Yeah. So 
did you just call me Morning Glory? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. I'm working on some new material here. I feel, I feel like I use the same phrases all the time. Yeah, here. well, keep working on it. Um, Thanks. So here's what happened in, during COVID. Airbnb actually shut down, and I was so bummed because that summer we were booked out. I mean, and that was so that would have been our second year, I guess. And we were booked out, and I was so excited. I mean, ten grand in June, you know. I mean, I, I'm looking at new trucks. Sun's I'm, shining. Birds are singing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm dancing around the house. And then – they shut it down and they canceled. They canceled people, which I'm like, wait, it's up to them. It's not up to you. But the people, they did, they wanted to cancel, I guess. So they canceled everything. A girl got ahead, a hold of us and she was asking about the short-term rental. And that is the cool thing, as you guys know, as well as anybody, right, is real estate, you can make it work. If this doesn't work, do this. If this doesn't work, do this. We, we can make it work, right? I am actually have this mindset now that I can make any deal work and maybe that's I shouldn't have that because it gets a little freaky, but especially after you've done the deal, right? You're like, you better be telling yourself, I can make this deal work. I can make this deal work. I feel that right now. (laughs) Yeah, right now. (laughs) But uh, so she got a hold of us, and that's how I knew that a phone number or an or even an email was hard to get. It was hard to communicate on that uh, their message board. They literally would kept blocking things out. So. I think what I did was I took a picture of my of my card and and it would take the picture and then she was able to call me and we were able to work it out. Happy. But so so hack. we did a short, life hack right yeah, there. So we did short term rental thousand dollars a month, which you know that wasn't ten thousand dollars a month, but it was certainly better than nothing. We made a deal with her though that and her name's Jane and we're pretty good friends. You're now. in the basement. No, no, no. We we let her. We we rented her a room, but she had to share the house. She had the upstairs, and we explained to her we hardly ever go up there. But you know, we got Thanksgiving, we got Christmas, we got people coming over, and and she literally became kind of part of the family. So it was it worked out really well. We're we're great friends today. She actually did uh, six months, and then she came another time the, the next year for three. So um, we're we're good friends, and we love her. We love Jane. We got so super lucky, I think, because I'm a little freaky about like somebody coming in your house. Yeah, said, yeah. Like you don't know what it's gonna be. I, I imagine you know a really big, kind of heavy set dude in his underwear watching TV. And <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, my wife has a hard enough time allowing people in the house, like family right. and friends, right. because right. of the cleanliness issues that she has. I couldn't. There's no way in hell that she would ever approve having somebody rent one of our rooms. Yeah. I've been doing house hacking since like day one. My first apartment, I house hacked. You know, I, I I had a basement apartment, and the other side of it wasn't refinished, and and I made a room in there and house hacked it to a buddy of mine. I just I've always house hacked. Well, can we use that and dig into a little bit of your first property and tell us a little bit how you got into real estate investing? Anyway, so my first property was my family home when I was like twenty two, twenty three, and and I house hacked. So you're, you're twenty seven. Now? Yeah, about twenty seven. Yeah, way older than you though. Actually, <laughs> I mean, you, okay. So you talk about being old. I'm like, what? Who's this guy? Okay, so for the people that uh, aren't watching this on video right now, uh, how how old are you? I'm fifty nine. I'll 59. be fifty nine next month. You're not the oldest guy. I no, know. you're okay. a young man. Okay, so you've been in this real estate game for a, quite a long time. No, 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 uh, no. I I wasted. Then I didn't waste, but I I, I drank. And use drugs a good part of my life. So I got sober when I was 30. 
I got divorced when I was 33. Like, you think, you know, you got sober when you're 30 and life's going to get really good. Um, it got way worse when I got divorced three good. years later. What happened was she got the house and the kids and I got the bills. And I could have made her sell that house, but she couldn't take on the mortgage payments. So I kept the house in my name with her on it so that the kids could live there. And she trashed our credit. It was so bad. So at 33 years old, literally... All I had was a good job. I had a good job. I worked at a dialysis clinic, made a decent living, sixty-seven, seventy thousand a year. However, my check was garnished at sixty-five percent for the oh. next for the next six years. Sixty-five percent, which is the allowable by law. That's as much as they could take. It was kind of cool because did you have a bad lawyer. Uh, I did maybe have a bad lawyer. Um, I mean, sixty-five percent sure is a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's allowable by law. That's all they can take. So, oh so it was rough. I lived with my parents. So um, that was that went on for a while. I still had a lot of fun, but it was rough. I, okay. I didn't do an investment for quite a while. Okay, let me backtrack here a little bit. So back to the house hacking. You has hacked your first property at twenty two. Is that correct? Yep, I bought my first property right down the street, actually. From from here at the real office. Yeah, yeah. I bought it twice, twenty seventh and Martha. The okay. first time thirty five thousand, and then I did get the house back from her when I was forty. She couldn't keep the kids anymore, and that was game changer. All of a sudden, I got that house back. I could start building my credit, and. A thousand dollars of child support went away. So, how did you learn about house hacking? Was this something that you like? Hey, I'm just going to put something in, or is this something you heard about? I think I've always just been an entrepreneur. When I was 11 years old, I had a paper out. I had that for four years. Also, had a lawn business at like 12, 13 years mm-hmm. old. Um, when it's I got, yeah, when I got when I got older, um, and I got smoking pot. I, I realized that if I sold pot, I could probably make a little more money and I did that for eight years so I've always been an entrepreneur so I love I, <laughs> you know I, I when I was in middle school I I bag it I, I uh, did little baggies of candies did you yeah little footsie flavor candies and I sold those off I'd buy them for, for a deal at the Kermit Gee down the street it was a gas station and then I I packaged those and sold them for 25 cents I was making about 20 cent profit or 15 percent profit per baggie so I, I I get you there I don't think that was illegal though yeah, it wasn't illegal. Shh. I mean, you were kind of a drug dealer also. Candy Ted. dealer. Candy dealer. <laughs> you were definitely well, a candy dealer. I, mean, I don't want to glaze over this. I mean, this was a really impactful time for your life, for the negative and positive, right? Yes. Yes, it so, was. So, I mean, do you know why you went down this route? Is there something, was there something that triggered you? Oh, it goes pretty deep. I, I remember when I drank my first three Ham's beers at age 14. Ham's beer it has a cute little bear on the can. That's not why I drank it. But I do remember the drinking those beers. I remember immediately that I felt differently. And uh, I wasn't afraid of my dad first time ever because I was always afraid of my dad. Not his fault. Dealt with all of that now, of course. But um, yeah, it changed my personality and I liked it. I became somebody different and I liked it. And so I continued to do that until I was 30 years old. And uh, it got out of hand. Um the the whole drug dealing thing and there was a lot you know going on in those years we had three kids we had a house we did all kinds of drugs everything you could imagine towards the end long story short it got to the point where i got arrested three times the last week i was drinking it was starting to look like a problem 
<laughs> just starting. So, this just in. Yeah, um, yeah. Like nobody told me, kind of thing. And that that was a weird thing. I grew up in a great neighborhood. A lot of you know, there's ten or twelve of us in the neighborhood. That and the, a lot of these people are totally successful. Like nobody told me that at nineteen twenty you should maybe stop drinking and start going to college and to the military and and doing all the things that they're doing and I, and I am friends with a lot of those people today and I'm so grateful for them. I just wish they would have told me to stop doing what I was doing and do that. Can I can I ask you? Uh, this is a highly personal question, so we can you know we can work work around this or edit it out. But what is the worst drug you have ever done and why? Methamphetamine is definitely the worst drug I've ever done. Do you remember the very and and I I'm not surprised that that is the answer because I've just from watching and seeing people and knowing what that that can do to someone. Can you describe what it was like the very first time you had the opportunity to do it and you did it and what were you what was going on in your mind at the time? The first time I ever did methamphetamine. It was the most wonderful experience I've ever had. I've never felt that great. All of a sudden, I was so super powerful, and the energy level was just crazy. I actually, I was remodeling my house, and I could go from I Thursday to Sunday, go, go, go. Now, I, I will tell you, Thursday and Friday were good days. Saturday started to kind of lag a little bit, and by Sunday, I was completely fried. I always knew that I had to sleep because it literally would keep you up. I, and I, I had friends that's been up for 22 days, 11 days uh, at a crack. Yeah, pretty normally, which I don't know why anybody would say that in normally in the same sentence, but that's what was going on. But it was it was incredible. And I did it for about a year. And when the connection went dry and I couldn't get it, it was about three weeks in. And that's like when it really hit me that, oh my gosh, this drug is ridiculous and I got to stop. I will. Like you knew you were hooked. You, I hit, kn- you hit a point in three weeks where you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, all of a sudden you're, you had that moment of realization, but maybe it had too much of a hold of you at the time. Is it that- did. And, and here's how I knew it had a hold on me is after that three weeks, I was like, man, I'm never doing that drug again. I feel so much better. It's just ridiculous. got to stop. The guy calls on a Thursday night after three or four weeks, maybe. And that was the night that we would always start Thursday night and we'd go till Sunday and then I'd sleep Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I literally went to a job every Monday in healthcare for a whole year and every monday i had been up for four days it was miraculous that i ever even made it through that but he called on thursday night at like five six o'clock and i'm like um yeah man i'm gonna not come over so but thanks for the phone call and me and my wife at the time are laying in bed at 11 o'clock at night looking at the ceilings like what are you doing she's like um, thinking about calling Sean. I'm like, yeah, me too. And I went over there at 11 o'clock and we just, it was game on again. And here we went another, about another two and a half, three months. And then that's when I got sober. Um, I, and you had kids at this time. Too. I had three kids. One of the worst things you guys is that I was going through after I got sober, I was going through some papers and my, so my oldest son was about seven or eight. AJ was about seven or eight. And I found, and hopefully I can say this without losing it. Um, get ready for a radio edit. Maybe, um, <laughs> is I found, um, a note that he wrote on a notepad that said, AJ, you are a good boy. You do good things. And that, I mean, this is my kid writing that, you know, these kids were in pajamas and eating pizza almost every weekend for almost that whole time. 
it's amazing that they are all completely successful. And I don't know, they probably have some issues, but they are, they're all very successful. Um, AJ doesn't, they don't drink. They don't, they don't have what I have. I don't know how they don't have it, but they don't have it. So, wow. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was a rough, rough year. So I say to methamphetamines, F you. And then I also say thank you because it helped me get to where I I had to get, you know, I had to be done. I had to be completely done. I ended up going to treatment in Spokane, Washington. And I, I wasn't actually going there to go to treatment. I was moving. Did your wife go to treatment too? Uh, yeah, eight times. You're, you're, <laughs> She's yeah. still, unfortunately, playing around with treatment. We got divorced three years after I got sober, or that's when I moved out, and she got – it's just been a mess. But I, I want to – if you don't mind, I I have never <clears> – <throat> I think back to all of the, you know, early 20s and like having a good time and all that and drinking and partying and, and you know, having having friends that had varying levels of, <laughs> you know, issues or access to things that I didn't. And I don't know that I ever had I – don't, I don't know that I was ever in a situation where I had the opportunity to do meth or get meth. I'm sure it wouldn't have been hard if I wanted to. Right. But I want to ask you – because I've never had this opportunity before, I want to ask you, when you did have that opportunity and you were at that moment when you were about ready to take it, was it were you going to smoke it? Is that how that, that worked? Or what was what was the method? I always snorted it. Okay. I started off originally, I guess I would have been shooting that when I hooked up with my wife. She didn't like the needles. And yeah. so I, I, I was fine snorting it. So that's why I didn't shoot it. Probably was a good thing. So, did you have a moment of pause before you did it, or were you like, maybe, maybe you were at a party and it was just you know there, and you're like, yeah, whatever, I'll try it, or did you like really think about it beforehand? I'm, I'm just curious to that because it's no, you, you, you hear about this drug and you know how life altering it can be the very first time you take it. It's like chasing the dragon. Isn't that the saying? Like, yeah. Or is that heroin? I don't know. No, which I've never done heroin. I've had an opportunity. Thank goodness. I didn't. Yeah. Thank go God. That, go that way. But no, um, I justified it. I could get more work done. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always worked on houses and done rehabs and whatever. And that's what it helped me do. It helped me get remodel my house. After I got sober, I had to re-remodel my house because <laughs> when you're remodeling your house at 3 a.m. and the hardware store is closed and you're working on something, you will find something to put in that spot. And later you will have to tear that out because it won't work. But This explains a lot of the houses that I walked through, <laughs> yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that in, in your post. Yeah, my Facebook. Yeah. Actually, my Facebook feed is full of probably remodels yeah. done. Yeah, but, you know. I, I didn't work on any of those houses, just so you know. But uh, no, I remember I, I would always eat dinner on Thursday night because you also don't eat. You don't eat the whole time. Everything tastes like hay. I remember one Thanksgiving that I I was and it was the last Thanksgiving before I got sober that I wasn't able to make it to Thanksgiving dinner and that so I knew at that point it was getting it was getting out of hand. 
Uh, I should have known that it was getting out of hand when I started drinking, though. I started at 14, and as soon as I was driving, I was I was a blackout drinker, and many times I drove home from Council Bluffs in a blackout. The last thing I remember was being on the dance floor at the Nashville Club, and the next thing I know, I'm at home in my bed, and my car's not outside, and just so many ridiculous stories. And you would think that that would be, like, even when I say that now, that's completely insane, right? But um, I would go again the next night. And that went on, you know, for, well, a long time. I did quit drinking whiskey in my 20s because of the blackouts. They came back, though, when I started doing Xanax. Can't, I'm not sure what was up with that. Man. But, yeah. It was, it, was a rough, it was a rough haul. But when I started doing the meth, though, I would eat dinner on Thursday night, do my thing, and, and I had, like, a system. I would literally be at my dining room table, and, and I can feel this right now. I would jump up and scream, yes, here we go. And then I would walk into my kitchen and start tearing stuff up. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. But you have changed. You've been sober for how many years now? 29 years. 29 years. I mean, and I love how you how vulnerable you can get and how you can talk about this. But part of the reason you do that is because you give back a lot to, to this um, cause, right? I do. And, and how do you do that? I have... So now I have four. I had five sober living houses. I now have four. I also sponsor people. Not a lot. I usually just sponsor like one person at a time. I'm kind of busy and a lot of people need a lot more than what I could give them as time. But I always have a place for a guy that's that's really serious about working a program. I don't just let anybody in my houses. I try to screen them and make sure that they have a sponsor, that they've been through some sort of program and that they're working this uh, a better they want a better life and and I asked them what is it you know what do you want who's your sponsor what meetings are you going to are you going to continue to do that so I rent rooms to guys and the the price is really reasonable like four hundred dollars in one house four fifty and five hundred in the other two houses and you just can't live anywhere for four hundred dollars a month these guys are coming in mostly through the Salvation Army I've been working with them for the whole time I've been sober so. That's a big deal to me. And a lot of the guys, I, I say a lot, 20% make it. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough. And do you have these same vulnerable conversations with each one of them? or, or Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting to the point now, I guess, where it, it, it gets a little busy. It gets a little irritating getting a phone call on Labor Day that so-and-so's drinking and I have to stop my family event and go over there with my breathalyzer and go, Hey bud, can you blow in this for me? And yeah, I've, I've been drinking and then, then, you know, I'm have to deal with that. So I've started to get guys in the house that maybe like, I hate to call it a house man, but that's kind of what it is where I have a guy now in two of the houses where they kind of deal with, with the house. So it's been way easier. Like a house me. manager. Yep, kind of yeah. like a house manager. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know the Foley's did something like that too, and yeah, but um, it was more of like a uh, like an abuse uh, facility. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then they, that. and then they had a, a a house manager there. Yeah, know, the same type of situation. Yeah, it's busy, but also I've helped a lot of the gentlemen get cars when they get a driver's license, which. By the way, in, in this situation, when guy tells you, you have a, he has a driver's license, you have to, can you see it? I need to see it. 
um, because I've had guys tell me they have a driver's license, but they don't have it with them. So well, you're a little leery of that. I would imagine <laughs> that you probably have some street cred when you're coming in. You're like, look, yeah. dude, yeah. Show, show me your stuff. Yeah. I know exactly all the tricks and whatever. So. Yeah, it helps a lot because they do try to get over on you. But one of the worst things was I had a guy in the house, and he slipped, and that happens a lot. This guy, he went back to meth. He'd been up for, I think, three days. He was 25. I was 55 or maybe 53, but uh, he had already said, and he was doing some work for me. That's the other thing. I, I have guys help me work on my flips and, and my rehabs and whatever. I pay him cash. Is that let, because there's no downtime? They just <laughs> – I'm kidding. No, Sorry. not – Bad not, joke. I, I don't let anybody work with me that is currently got using. It, got but it. Uh, this gentleman, I had to go to get him out of the house, and he'd been up for a couple of days. And I remember when he first came out of there, part of his story was that he was mentioned 500 pounds when he was in the penitentiary. And now, all of a sudden, he's been up for two days, and he's in my face. And that was, a, that was probably one of the roughest – the hardest deals where I, I have to now get this gentleman out of my house and he doesn't want to leave. And I just, I can still remember talking to him and I'm looking up at him and his, his, his fist is already, you know, like uh, I'm in, in, in my mind, I'm going, this is probably going to hurt. I, I mean, I've been beat up a lot. Don't get me wrong. I, I got in a lot of fights when I was young. I came in second a lot, but it's it, so occasionally I would win, but I remember that it hurt, and and I so here I am, fifty five years old. I hadn't been in a fight or hit in a long time, and I'm like bracing myself, and I'm like so, and I can't remember the guy's name, but I'm, I'm like I don't know what you think's getting ready to happen, but whatever happens, you're not staying in this house tonight. So just let's keep keep focused on that, and I will give you a ride wherever you want to go. I will. Help you get into somewhere else, but you can't stay here. And and I got really good, I think, at, at getting Defusing. guys off the ledge. Yeah, yeah which I was, I was a manager for a long time, and I've actually taught conflict resolution. That probably helped. But what I learned that day was you really have to keep your emotions out of it. You know, you really have to just negotiate. Probably should read uh, what, what, what's the – I just read it um, – Never split the difference. <laughs> oh, Chris Voss's book. Yeah, that's a great yeah, book. Yeah, that's a good book. So, Ron, one question I have for you is, is it, I mean, to me, it's obvious that this is definitely one of your whys. It is definitely one of my whys. But this is also, uh, with the Sober Living House, this is also a profitable area for you too, isn't it? It, it is. And sometimes guys throw that in my face, actually. But yes, of course, I'm not going to do it for free. However, especially if you got to leave your family on the holidays and deal with all this BS, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've gone to court with guys. I drove three hours one time to to go to court with a guy. I've done so many holidays where I've had to go and get a guy out of a room, um, take a guy to down to the Francis house or down to detox. I've had s- cops many times. I, I p- people in my face. I've never had anybody hit me. I did have a guy push me once, and that kind of triggered some of that old, you know, like when when somebody pushes you, it's almost intent, you know, like, oh, dude, I will blast you. But I had to back up and go, okay, and then call the cops. But, yeah, um, I've had to throw away beds because they piss them a lot of times. You know, like I said, 30% stay sober. That's it. So you're telling a lot of the bad side. Yeah. But can you – 
can you tell us some of the good side of this too? Because yeah. because there's going to be people that might have been interested in doing the Oxford homes or the sober living homes. I mean, what what's the positive side for this? The positive side like almost gives me goosebumps. And like I said, it's 20 to 30%. 30% that stay sober. And out of that 30%, maybe 2 or 3% get successful. But I'm working with a guy now that he, he's been sober four or five years. Got his own business, was working, worked his way up, got his own business. He has kids now, and he's he's doing well. And and there's several of those guys that uh, that just you 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 watch those guys and you go, man, you made it. It's you worth know? it. It's, it's worth, worth doing it. it. It's worth doing it if you can just save and help you know one or two guys out of, out of the group. But it's I try to do what I can with everybody, but. Not everybody, I guess, wants it. It's not for people that want it. or I mean, it's not for people that need it. It's for people that want it. You really, really have to want it. And you have to really change your life and, and go to these meetings and do stop your friends. You have to change your friends. You have to, the, the saying is playgrounds, playmates, and friends. You have to change so all of it. I have a question, Ron. I don't know if it is you'd be able to answer this, but what what I'm thinking is, those guys who are in that that house together, right? Do they interact with each other or do they live like separate lives, do their own stuff kind of thing? That's that's part one of the question. And then part two is like, is there any way that if they don't do it, that there's you could foster that type of of collaboration and that type of like I guess creating their own little meeting. So out other. of the four houses that I have right now, two of the houses they do. I'll go there and they're all four or five guys would be sitting in the living room watching a movie or something. And actually, they've even been to my house. And these are all men, right? All men, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought about there is a market to do this for women's sober living, but it, it's tough because I don't have a lot of rules. The rules are you have to stay clean and sober. You have to pay your rent on time. You have to clean up. You can have a guest two nights a week, whether that's a girlfriend, boyfriend, kids, whatever it is, but you can have a guest two nights a week. And if you do that with women, then they have boyfriends. And I don't really want to deal with all of that, but it works really well. So to answer your question though, Denless, yeah, two of the houses do that. There's, Two of the houses, though, I go there. Everybody's in their own room, and they're watching TV. And the, they all have TVs in their rooms. I do provide a TV in the living room. I don't provide them in their rooms, but they get them from the Salvation Army. When they come out of there, they get like a $200 check or whatever to buy some furniture, and they always all buy a TV. So as far as could I do something about it, maybe. I mean, could I have a house meeting? Could I do... When I started, I I always would get the sponsor's name and the name of the home group. I don't even do that anymore because it got to be too much. I mean, I got 30 guys in in rooms, so I can't do that anymore. And I've also noticed since I quit doing it – yeah, so when when you ask me how many doors do I have, I count those. So, yeah, I have like like 55 doors. I'm I'm huge. (laughs) But but I can't – I just can't babysit it. I can't manage it but since i quit trying to manage it it actually has worked out even better you know the guys especially in two of the houses they've like stepped up and i think what happened was i shut one of the houses down because all the guys in that house were smoking pot i shut it down well then word got out that you know hey ron's getting grouchy you know and i would leave a note about cleaning and whatever the last time i left a note was guys i don't care if you clean or don't clean you just need to know this i don't have to keep this house and they know they can't live anywhere for $450 a month. I mean, these are nice houses, you know? So they've really, that kind of helped, you know? It helped them realize that 
let, we, 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 we better pick up here because I'm Ron's he's done. He shut down a house, you know, and then I bought another house. And I rent it to Oxford instead of me doing it. Now I, I rent to them and I'm working on another house for Oxford. Can you explain what Oxford is for people who don't know what it is? Yeah. So Oxford group, what they do, they're like a national, even more than national. They, they're even in other countries. They it's international, international, is this podcast international? Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, oh okay. yeah. I was, I was wondering why you said it like that. I just thought it was so I'm, I'm familiar awesome. with international. <laughs> so they're a group that helps recovering alcoholics, men and women, and they have group houses. They actually have a pass from the city. I do not have that pass, so I have to be a little more careful of you know what neighborhoods I go into. And even as I say that, I don't have to be careful because I'm not going to any more neighborhoods because I'm not doing any more houses. But Oxford is, and they have a pass from the city that 10 or 11 people can live as a family unit in a house. Now, that being said, you still can't necessarily go into any neighborhood. If you try to go into Millard, and they petition you out, then you will be out. This just happened in Bellevue. Somebody was trying to open a house in, in Bellevue. Before it even opened, the neighbors got wind of it, and they, they were able to shut it down. Well, Probably Bellevue doesn't even have the past, though, that Omaha has. Ron, okay. so this is a crazy story and inspiring that you were able to rally out of. Uh, it sounds like a pretty tough situation, and, uh, and addiction is never easy for anyone to deal with, especially when you have – kids and a, a you know wife and and all of that what led you to real estate in the first place so 30 years old got sober three years later got divorced she got everything i got the bills i got the garnishments i was stuck at 36 years old though i was at a new job worked for a dialysis clinic and had a 403b I was broke. I mean, I was so broke. All the only what is thing, a 403B? So a 403B is kind of like a 401K, although it has it's way better in the fact that you can borrow from it pretty easily. Now, I think this is actually up to the employer, though. So it's probably hit and miss. The, the rules are not all the same. But a 403B, they contributed, matched up to 4%. So, of course, I went 4% all in, which now I was at 69% that I wasn't bringing home. Started a lawn business and that helped with that. But anyway, the 403B, I could borrow from it. So here I was, completely broke, had nothing. My credit score was in the toilet. But all of a sudden, I could borrow half of it. It was, it was at 45000 I could borrow half of it. Nobody else was loaning me any money. Talked to my mom and dad. I said, you guys, I, this is my, I got one shot. So we're literally, investing was out of desperation. I'd been doing a lawn business, working for a friend of mine, John Housechild, who had 52 lawns, owned like the granary in uh, Ralston and Bushwhackers and all that. So I'd been watching him would do this. And it was, I felt like it was my one shot is this is it. I didn't have any credit, but mom and dad, of course, did. It was not easily not easy at all for me to talk him into buying a fourplex up on 46 in California, but we both went in 14 grand and that's how I got started other than my family home. When was this? So this was, I got sober when I was 30, divorced when I was 33, and then that thing came through at 36, 30, I was about 37 years old. But it was not in my name. I so this is 22 years ago 22 years ago is when we started that fourplex. My credit, though, never straightened out until I was like 42. 
So, you know, whenever I tell my story, and especially the younger people like Denless, I had to laugh when you're talking about, like, he, didn't he sound stressed out when he was talking about looking at houses? I'm like, that's just the beginning, dude. You know, <laughs> you're going to feel that a hundred times, you know. Um, you get better at it, right? But it happens. You look at a house and you buy it and you go home, you're like, oh my gosh. But, but that's part of it. I, I like that pressure and that excitement, but. Um, I tell everybody, start whenever, you know, I literally have barely been in this business 19 years and I'm doing okay. You know, I was able to quit my job four years ago and I'm doing okay. I'm not where I'm going to be, but I'm kind of where I want to be. Well, the funny thing is that we were in a mastermind meeting yesterday and you, and somebody brought up not being able to buy a property because their credit wasn't high enough. Yeah. And what was your response to that? My response was, she was talking about, I need to get to 750 And I started laughing. I'm like, no, you don't. My property, my first property that I bought, I, I was at like 650 or $680. And uh, no offense, but I didn't use hard money. Uh, at that point, I actually had none, some. None taken. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you can. you know. Now, m- m- things are changing now, so I don't know. But I, I would expect you can easily get a property with a credit score of 680 you probably do have to have some money. You could have no credit score and get hard money. So really, you can be in any situation. You just got to be in the right mindset and be a good person and probably get a deal done somehow. I, I believe that wholeheartedly, yes. Yeah. I mean, because uh, Owen, you guys don't check credit scores when you do hard money, right? No. No, we don't. I mean, some do, but you don't. We don't. So you just look at the property. We look at the property and the borrower. So if oh, somebody so you has, do look at the borrower. Yeah, I mean, if somebody has no experience and they have no idea how to, you know, take a, a property that they they maybe they fell ass backwards into a good deal, right? And we're like, yes, that's a good deal. Who are you? Like, what are, what are you going to do with this deal? How like, do you know how to do yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like you're walking around in the backyard and you have, you know, you find <laughs> your you you rake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody, you could, you know, fall into a good deal, but do you know what to do with that? And yeah. so then it becomes like more of an art than a science because you say, all right, who do you, what do you know? Who do you know? Like, how are you going to take this from A to B? And get it sold or refinanced or whatever. And so that, that makes sense. I wonder statistically, and you guys probably have heard a lot of these stories. Like, doesn't my first deal, my first flip was a flop? How, how many people have that? Right, the first one didn't really go the way you wanted it to. Well, so can we pause and dig into that? Maybe get into our failing forward. Uh, I thought. See, when you asked me to do this, I was gonna. I wanted to say that with you. Can we do it again? Oh yeah. And we can just include that right in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready? So how about we get in today's Failing Forward? <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. So it sounds like you have a good Failing Forward to talk about. Let's get into it. I do. So my first flip, I, I guess at the time I probably already had six or seven buy and holds. My, my first actual flip, 17th and M Street, it was $20,000. I had just acquired a line of credit. So this was, I want to say this was 12 or 13 years ago. $20,000. Put a ton of work into it. I still had a job. I was working on it on the weekends. Maybe took a week off of vacation time and worked on it. Had altogether seventy-nine dollars or $80,000 in it. And I mean, a whole year I've been working on this thing. And when it came time to sell, we were at seventy two thousand. I was not a realtor yet, so lost about ten grand on the deal. Took a whole year to do it, 
I, I do remember thinking this, though. When I sold that house, I had been putting my own money into it. So when I sold it, I, I got money. You know, I'm like, man, I lost 10 grand. I barely felt that. So that was kind of cool. But what, the biggest thing I learned was the house was 26 steps up on this hill. And I remember that because I had to have those steps done twice. It was $2,500 both times. Why? Uh, the first guy who was one of my recovering alcoholic buddies uh, in my house, he was a cement guy, he put the steps in, and they looked great for about two to three weeks. I'm still working on the house, and then it rained, 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 and the steps fell. Now, 26 steps Going at a slant is not going to work in Omaha, Nebraska, right? Because as soon as the snow, but that way, on, but that way, the water goes to the one side. Good right? point. Yeah, the, they're probably safer. Yeah, I don't think so. When the water goes to the front <laughs> and there's ice all over them, so I had to. Have it's them kind of a twice. ramp. Not, <laughs> is or, yeah, not yeah. steps. It would have yeah. been great with like a saucer or something. Carson would love probably something like that. Carson, be my son. <laughs> yeah, your son. Yeah, but uh, not so much for. For an adult. So, and also, so I put about 10 grand in landscaping. My son did it. He owns a landscaping business, and that was a deal. But that's what I, I learned. For was, me, I'm was like. Was this West or AJ? It's AJ. AJ. Uh, they both, they are part owners of Omaha Landscaping. But uh, Wes handles the mowing, and AJ handles the landscaping. But the, the lesson for me was don't buy a piece of crap house on a big hill. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some that would work. Okay. So, just so you know, my most profitable Airbnb right now is on a big hill. I have heard you talk about and it. And there is a lot of steps to get up to it. and But it does really well because it's really close to the zoo. Right. But, but that's part of the reason I made Airbnb because I'm like, it's a little bit more difficult to rent as a traditional rental because of the amount of steps to get to it. 17th and M, I was close to the zoo. Too. This is 19th and L. Okay, which okay, but 14 years ago, Airbnb wasn't a thing. Oh no, and that area yeah. is even rougher than it is right now. Yeah, yeah. What again? Though I knew even at the time, I could have, I could have probably got a mortgage and rented it, and I would have. That done was my fine. next question. Yeah, and I could have, and I knew that, but I didn't want to have a rental on 17th and M. Everything I do was at that time mostly in. Like around here in South Omaha or in Midtown, that's where most of my property. It wasn't in your buy box. It wasn't. I wait, just wait, but buy box. I just buy box. Oh, it doesn't like that term. I do pay attention. That's not. That's not weird. I mean, I'm a little slow, but I. So so recently, recently, <laughs> Owen was on Colin and Chris's very brand new podcast, which would be coming out soon, and I remember Colin. Saying buy box, and I was literally cracking up in the studio because <laughs> I'm looking at, at at Owen's face, and I'm like, he's probably going turning up inside. I had, I had like a one eye closed eye roll, uh, yeah, probably subconsciously. But um, Ron, how many Airbnbs do you have right now? I just have the one that I live in, and then. I manage one for my son. Okay. I want to ask you this and also Ted, because Ted is uh, apparently doubling down on, on Airbnbs. Like he's all in on this. I get that. So what is going to happen to both of you and your holdings when, if COVID 23 comes in, like if there's another pandemic and they have a whole bunch of weird situations that come up where you can't, you basically people aren't traveling. And and Airbnbs are dead. And I guess to elaborate too is what's going to happen when the city kiboshes Airbnbs, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when that happens, I'm going to be just fine. Ted's going to be screwed. 
So <laughs> because I live in my house, right? And the cities that are doing it, they will allow that. I guess though, if it is like a COVID thing, I, I'll go back to the short term rental, just like I did when we had COVID. Long term, you mean? I mean long, long-term okay, short term, long term, yeah. S- three months, six months, travelers. Yeah. Okay. So I, I personally will not buy an Airbnb that cannot be a long term rental. So right. my my house in Nineteenth and L, for instance, uh, you know, I don't have a massive portfolio as you guys know, but my house in Nineteenth and L, that particular one was a traditional rental, renting very well. I just make more money as an Airbnb. And the only reason I made that an Airbnb as my first one is because it came up in the middle of winter. And I knew that my rent that I would really want for that would have been almost two to two to four hundred dollars less than I, than I was desiring. So going into that property, I actually was only intending to make that an Airbnb for three months because I had some Afghani refugees that were staying there for thirty three hundred bucks a month versus my rent that was fifteen hundred. Nice. And and then and then all of a sudden it was booking up and I'm like, oh man, I'm making close to five thousand dollars a month on this. And I've done that continuously all the way to to now. And at this point right now, I mean, my payment on that place, I bought it at, for I bought that house for twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> I put ninety into it. My payment on my payment on the house, not including utilities, is like seven hundred dollars. So if it's just it's hard to go wrong. If there. it's just rented, bought it right. If it's just rented on weekends, and that's what I don't have a huge portfolio. But one thing we've talked about numerous times on on this podcast and in one one is. I don't have a huge portfolio, but my my small portfolio performs better than most people's twenty five unit portfolio, because because uh, I did buy them very good and I did massive rehabs, which took way too long, but but in the end though I make a lot more money on my properties. Mm-hmm. Now this particular property you're in right now, this five unit, this one would be a little bit more difficult because um, I do Airbnb, so I don't have to have all the city regulations because I have one furnace, one electrical panel on this because it's a conversion property. And if the city comes in and regulates it, they want separate HVACs, separate uh, electrical panels. As a short-term rental, I don't need to worry about that. Or even as a mid-term rental with nurses, which is ultimately my goal here. But if I do long-term rentals, I would have to do – I would have to probably put another um, $80,000 into this place to make it compliant to be individual rental properties. And I, and I mean, as this sits right now, I'm making like $8,000 a month on this place. But at, but if I was to convert this into traditional rentals, I would make nowhere near that amount of money, and, there, and this would not cash flow. Yeah, it'd be at like what thirty five hundred four grand a month, probably. Yeah, Ish. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, my two bedroom upstairs was running for thirteen hundred before with utilities included. Mm-hmm. So let's just lowball and say that I'm making a thousand per every door. So that's like let's just say five thousand. Okay. And but if I had all the utilities split out, and it was the, yeah, um, the utilities are big. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Like during the winter time, especially, like utilities can be pretty big. Yeah. Um, and and when you're paying for them as a as an owner. Yeah. So I mean, this property would be a little bit of a headache. Luckily, Ria, um, radio, uh rents out one of my units for uh, <laughs> so we can have a podcast studio yeah with all of our sponsorships that we that we have and in and in and, and here in here here in this omaha area uh you know we i have another airbnb and i have a i have a traveling um i have traveling electrician in it and they're like well we're gonna stay here for 18 months under the airbnb program so there i mean there's still i think there's still money making and, and even if COVID hits again or whatever disease hits the world you know, our here in town, we still have these big businesses that are need electricians, and whatever not. So I think there's still opportunities. You just need to know who to talk to. 
Yeah. Well, Ron, what um, what do you think is going to be in the cards for you in the upcoming, let's say, year, and then maybe say the next five years? What do you, uh, any plans for you? Yeah. So my goal list includes an addition on the back of my apartment in the basement of our house to Looks make it painting the basement. Yeah, just twelve foot by fourteen foot. Um, part of that will be a walk-in closet for Shauna and then <laughs> I maybe can move my clothes out of the storage room into her old walk-in closet and this then is, this is a lot to do for a girlfriend this must be a pretty serious oh, relationship man. right and you have no idea when like I first how, met how long, her how long you guys been together so we've been together six years coming up in in December when I met her I was living in that fourplex that you looked at it. Remember when I sold it? In oh, fact, yeah, yeah, you yeah. helped me boost that. Thank you so much for bringing it. Yeah, you, in. you can write me that check on the side. I, 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 I do owe you at least lunch, <laughs> not not a check, but lunch. But so I don't know if you remember the one cool apartment that Upsta- had all the way upstairs. The upstairs, yeah. So I busted through the floor of that attic and put that room upstairs. So when I met Shauna. She comes over Let's, to my house. I'm literally in one room, and then there's this plastic drape going around to like that whole upstairs thing. Yeah. So she spent the first time she spent the night, we had to like walk through this drape, and she gets dust all over. And she worked in an office, so we get out of the hallway, and I have to dust her off and give her a kiss and goodbye, dear. And she actually came back, so I knew that that was gonna work. So that's when that's when I met her, and. Um, we were joking about your wife is behind you in your real estate adventures. Ha ha. She actually is. And it's been really, really amazing. Like she's like the girl that I can literally, you know, I'm going to work till six, but then plans change because I'm in the middle of something and I get home at nine and dinner actually is ready and she never complains. So I, I'm not making this up. I swear to God, she is that girl. It's, it's awesome. So little, what was the question? It's a little, <laughs> so a little backstory here too, because uh, uh, Ron had this four unit for sale. I brought a buyer to the table. Yep. Ron's like, yep, dude, you, this is your property. going to make it happen. All of a sudden this guy and the guy, another buyer comes in, offer goes higher. I'm like, Ron, you just, you just said that we had the deal. And then he's like, man, I'm sorry. I'm not used to this. I, I don't do a lot of real estate. He goes, he I, goes I, I got this. And then I, I, think we, I think the deal got up maybe like $40,000, $30,000 higher. About thirty grand From the deal that he originally told me yes to. We kept on going back. And then he told me again, yes, dude, you got 100%. I told him like yes three yep. times. Yeah. Like, I don't like negotiating. I just need to hurry up, get this done. It's yours. Write it up. Send it to me. So, so I read it written up. He's like, dude, they came back with another like $10,000 higher. He was like, I gotta take it. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, dude, this is my final offer, dude. If you make that offer happen, that's yours. <laughs> then he came back and took the other offer. <laughs> well, I remember I was, I was helping a friend of mine put like a door in on the side of his house or something, and we, I was totally busy. We got nail guns going on, and we got this whole wall tour out, and I, I'm trying to do this negotiating and. Yes, but thank you, Ted, because had you not brought that guy in, I would have probably made about $30,000 a year. So I figured my consulting fees are worth at least $10,000. made 40000 So yeah, yeah, I mean, $4,000 yeah. check any day. Right? Well, he's now on the podcast. So we'll call it a wash. Uh, okay, yeah. Or, or, or you can bill me, whatever. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so remodeling your own home so that you have more room for all of your shoes. Yeah. And then what about your real estate business? Are you going to do any more Oxford houses or, sty- or that type of uh, a thing? or buy more rentals, Airbnbs? What's the world look like for you? So my goal is, yeah, just passive income. Uh, So I'm working on a six-bedroom, four-bath house right now on Cumming Street. We should be done in December. That's going to Oxford. We've already made that deal. 
at my house, I am going to do the shipping containers to up in the woods. I think I mentioned that. So that's that will boost Airbnb business there. There's a person you should talk to. Um, you, you know Ben Cat? I don't. There's a, uh, we're going to have him on the podcast here soon. I, uh, we should have had him on by now. He's supposed to have been on, but a couple scheduling snafus and uh, he's actually going to bigger pockets conference with us. Uh, and, and so hopefully we'll talk more there, but he has done multiples of these on a campground. Okay. And I did see where we go. Elkhorn shores. Yeah. Yeah, Elkhorn the, yeah. And they're beautiful. They are beautiful. One and he thing- spent a lot of money on them. Yeah, one thing I that I didn't that I wouldn't do is I think so like the forty yard or maybe it was even the twenty five they turned that into two separate units so like when you walked in it was like you walk in bed bathroom and that probably works at a campground because people are just they don't want to drive drunk is what I'm guessing but so I mean I would have to be more like a forty yard max the whole thing out but I tell you what it, it gave me good ideas it, okay so but if you're going there with another family or a friend. That's amazing. And then they could have a really cool area outside. And that would be, that's what we had talked about. Like hot tub, probably not each one would have their own, but at least a shared one. You know who else does these is uh, Josh Nix out of Lincoln uh, that we've had on. He has some really, really cool ones. And they're more probably what what you're talking about. Okay. So we'll we'll connect uh, you with Ben Cad and Josh Nix, and then you can, you know. He he did like a chat about that. Like a four 40-yarder all mixed and intertwined in in Lincoln. Yeah, I saw that, right? Yeah, he stacked them like a a cross. Yeah, so... And then uh, made it into a really kick-ass, uh, cool Airbnb. So I saw that. Will Omaha let you do that, though? I don't know if Omaha will let you do that. Well, you're in Ponca, so it's kind of the Wild West out well, there. Well, oh, it? yeah, I'm totally doing it off the grid. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, what was a, started off as a five-year goal is now we're down to three years to get a house in Destin, Florida, get somebody there to manage it. We can live there from January to April. They're probably a lot cheaper this week. I'll bet you they are. I don't know if Destin got hit. I don't think they did, but I like more or less, you know, the Fort Myers area, which did get hit. However, oh god, yeah, it got half a million dollars. But well, and maybe you you might be right that property value may come down. But like everything down there is a half a million dollars, and then you have to rehab it. You know, so mm-hmm. whereas in Destin, you can still find something for 180, 200,000 that needs a little bit of work. And, and I, I, a friend of mine, his nephew's doing it and they're killing it in Destin. And, you know, the lows are 50 degrees in the winter. So I'm good. If I can be there three months out of the year for the rest of my life, I, I'm good. All right, Ron. Let's talk for a second about. You have an you have Oxford houses and uh, basically sober living places, right? Yes. And you have a an Airbnb slash personal residence that you make some money off of, and it sounds like you do really well with that. Do you? And what what does the rest of your portfolio look like? Do you have some single family homes, multifamily? I know you mentioned a fourplex in there that you may have sold. I thought I heard. I what, what what's your current uh, deal? With uh, with real estate. So right now, what I have eleven properties all together. Three of those are single family dwellings, and then the rest would be the sober living, uh, and I guess one other apartment. So, and then the Airbnb, and that's pretty much how I make a living. Okay, so you have rental income from those, but now how you describe the Oxford house or sober living, um, you know, houses that you have. It doesn't sound like. I mean, these are basically you're you're not making a killing off of these, right? I mean, you're you're covering your bills and 
and you're doing a good thing and you're, you're the altruistic side of it. But like, is it, like you, can't, is, you can't be making a ton. His off smile of it. makes me. Think yeah, I don't is. know. I'm I'm second guessing this. When is I was it? when I was working on my real estate license, which I got only to my f- second flip. So remember, I said my first flip, I lost ten grand. The next one, I made thirty grand in like four months. But um, that's why I got a real estate license because I had to pay a realtor on that. So anyway, I remember when I was working on the exam, and the first time I ever heard about cap rates. I, I figured out my cap rate. I was at 25% on everything. That was my cap rate. So yes, I do. And here's why I make pretty good money because every property I have, I bought close to condemned houses. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. You, you buy, yeah. bought it so for land value. I worked them up. Now, at this point, I have kind of put everything into a portfolio and I have a $250,000 line of credit, which is the first time in my life I've ever had that. And it's burning a hole in my pocket. So if anybody has a great deal on a duplex, fourplex, I'm, I, I really am looking towards buying that. My goal is passive income. So yeah, no, I do make pretty good money. I, I make really good money. I don't, it, it is how I make a living. Now, when I say I make really good money, here's where I'm at, I guess. And you can only kind of do this in real estate, right? When, when, anywhere else, it seems like on any other platform, you're bragging. I'm not bragging, but where I'm at is I make about four grand a month after all my bills are paid. Yeah. And that's pretty good. And that's not necessarily enough for me, but it's enough for right now. My goal is to be living in Florida three months out of the year and, and make ten grand a year after all my bills are paid. But you do flips also too, don't you? I do flips and that that kind of helps boost. Although I have one on the market right now, been two weeks and I, I really thought that thing was gonna sell the first day because that's my experience when I remodel a house. The the market is definitely changing a little. I, I know it'll sell. I don't like waiting two weeks or whatever. Isn't that funny how spoiled we've been in the last Kinda. like five, six, seven years? I, I mean like I never considered anything other than I know that his house is gonna sell in a day or two because that's always what happens. Yeah. But, Especially oh, well. with the attention I mean, he put some serious detail into his properties. Yeah. You go you go over the top i do i do a lot of corrugated steel i've never done a remodel without glass block that's my signature my crew kind of teases me they're like where are we going to put the glass blocks but uh <laughs> i mean we doing weird things corrugated steel on the ceiling that was that four mm-hmm. flex uh oh yeah just crazy stuff always do pallet wood i got a great deal on like a pallet of pallet wood so i do a lot of pallet wood walls it's way cheaper than any other way to kind of get that character your your, your properties are very trendy looking yeah, yeah. I, I call it character, but yeah. The walls aren't perfect, though, like yours are. Now, you you got your real estate license. Was that originally just because, like you mentioned, you were like paying the big commission on selling a house kind of stuck in your craw a little bit? Yeah. And you said, I, I'm going to keep doing this, and I don't want to keep paying a huge nut for uh, commission. So That was my motivation to get a license, yes, and it still is. I don't sell a lot of houses. I mostly just do it for friends and family. I, I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I've probably sold... 15, 20 houses in six years that I've had a license. Okay. But mostly just do it for family and friends. I am working with a couple buyers right now and actually have a listing coming up. I think that might be because I prayed that I could boost up myself because all my money is tied up in that house that I just talked about. Yeah. I mean, like literally $65,000 and that's all the money that I have and it's tied up in that house and I'm waiting but uh, so I think, you know, be careful what you pray for, because all of a sudden I'm working with buyers again and I don't love doing that, but <laughs> I will. Yeah. But 
also another part of your life is mentorship. Like you, Huge. you, you brag about the mentorship. Can you get a little bit on, on the mentorship that you do use in your life? Yeah, I'm not bragging. I'm just sharing my experience. So I didn't mean to correct you there, but uh, yeah, no. but you did. Can I you share a, experience yeah. a little bit with mentorship instead of <laughs> instead of bragging about it to us? So <laughs> John House Child, he was my first mentor. Obviously, when I was young and broke and check was being garnished, he had all these properties. He, I saw him do that. So he was a huge mentor in in real estate later when i got into management i had a mentor dana zeiss helped me become a better manager and then just in the last couple years no year a year that that i met well i guess i met mike and jerry schlickburn four years ago they asked me to partner up on a deal on their 10 square deal and and i was not in a situation to tear down my duplexes and and build townhomes but that's when I met them. And later I learned from them some stuff about PSI seminars. And I've been through a couple of Jerry's classes and she's just a huge mentor for me. They've really taught me to think bigger. And I appreciate that because I, we both Shauna and I have put a lot of, we've done a lot of different classes in the PSI personal success Institute. It's huge. And then also help some other people kind of get into that mindset. We'll link, we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, so PSI personal success Institute. Got yeah. it. And then Jerry has uh, what's it called again? I'm sorry. Catalyst and level up, level Love up too. and catalyst. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Is it safe to say that with, uh, you know, you have three kids, Amber, Wes and AJ, that you are doing a lot of this for like long-term play, generational wealth type of situation? Um, I would like to say that. I mean, you know, my why is when I was 40 years old, I really hardly had nothing. I was broke and, and I was just trying to pick myself up and put, to get, put the pieces together. That, that really was my why. I mean, of course, I want my family to have better things. I will tell you, though, all three of my kids, I'm pretty sure, are way more successful than I am. And and that I'm super proud of that. I'd so, like to think I had something. We all something, want that, right? Yeah, I'm all about that. I'd yeah. like to think I had something to do with that. And I will, of course, they are willed. Everything is willed to them except for the Airbnb is willed to Shauna. But, yes, definitely want to – and my son, he owns three houses now besides the one he just built in Elkhorn. Uh, Dad, AJ, probably, Dad probably helped with that a little bit. I do. I So here's what happens. I rehab a lot of houses, and about every six or seven months, it seems like I take a week or two off, and I take my crew over to, to one of their houses and, and, and just – really give him a boost and, and it, it makes me feel good I'm, I'm trying really hard west does not own his own house he rents a house from aj where their it's where their shop is so that works out good for him but that's that's probably my next thing is to to help him get into something love that love that yeah well your story has been absolutely amazing i i knew that this would be good plus i think that you're gonna have lots of inspirational conversations out of this because i mean we've been inspired uh talking about your sober living and everything that you've got going on and it took you a while to finally get on this podcast today right <laughs> it, it did you asked me i think you're on like number six or seven i'm like let's hold off for a minute <laughs> well i think we're almost out of time let's get into the ot with owen and ted all right, nice. Ryan, in this uh, in this section, we like to cover the same questions with every guest each week. So these are uh, unscripted for you, but they're scripted for us. So let's see what you got, okay? Okay, let's First go. question, this is a deep one. What will your first book be titled or and or about? Uh, it's called Play, Have Fun, and Open Presence. First printing is July 22nd, and then the second printing will be April of 2023. It's about... 
playing, having fun, and open presents. Is this whoa, real? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this real? What? What? <laughs> That's right. I mean, he, it he was totally, he, he totally sandbagged us. <laughs> he had no idea he actually had a book. You have a book? No, I don't. <laughs> I made all that up. I was going to go with, well, actually, I'm more of a songwriter. I, my first album's coming out, but I, I, I didn't want to throw you off too much. Oh, my God. That's awesome. He was prepared. Yeah, he was prepared. <laughs> at, least, at least we now know. What did little Ron Kendall want to be when he grew up? Interesting question. I had absolutely no idea. There was nothing that I wanted to be. It certainly wasn't an alcoholic and a drug dealer and all the things that I was. I found out later, like, I could have said, I want to be, I want to grow up and be an alcoholic. Turns out you can't do both of those. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know. I was a hard worker, though. Always had the entrepreneurial mindset. All right, I have a deep, this is an actual real deep one, and I hope you don't uh, clown us on this one like you did in the, in the first question. At your funeral, who is going to give your eulogy, and what are they going to say about you? What do you hope they're going to say about you? Well, I've actually instructed a few things at my eulogy. And oh, you've it, already put your whole funeral together, huh? Well, I haven't put it, it together like my mom has. She actually has the whole thing put together, which I'm not going to do for her when she... She has your comes. funeral? No, she has hers. Oh. <laughs> we, we, my mom's a control freak, so my eulogy will be... You know, everybody knows my mom's a control freak, so here's what she wanted me to do, and I'm not going to do it. But uh, at my funeral, I don't know who's going to deliver it because I don't, I don't know if Shauna could, like... Do it without, you know, completely falling apart. But maybe my, maybe one of my sons. Here's what I tell everybody though. If and you guys need to know this too. If I walk across that street and get hit by a car, I want somebody. In fact, you know what? Let's just decide it right now. Everybody at my funeral is going to stand up and go. Ron said it was enough. It was a hell of a ride, and it was enough. And then there's a song by Kid Rock's called "Born Free." Let's jam. I love that song. Didn't yeah. You? Yeah, I, I, that's my song. I mean, that's that's my that's my funeral song, "Born Free." We went to a funeral, and they, I think they played that song during their during that funeral. Yeah, it's just it just Did sums they? it up, yeah. man. That, actually, you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, I got goosebumps. I mean, it just totally sums it up. I, my they, life. They is, actually played the video too, which would be awesome. He's riding a motorcycle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean. Crazy, crazy. Uh, okay, so anyway, moving on. I mean, because just the fact that you said that when we just both went to a funeral that did that, that is kind of nuts. Yeah. Okay, so I'm calling Ron Kendall one year from now. What's his portfolio going to look like And I, when I bring you back on the podcast to talk about it? I have everything I have right now except for the house on Martha Street, which is scheduled to sell on Sunday. And I've also added a fourplex I've added the two shipping containers in my Airbnb. The city has not messed with me at all on any of that. And <laughs> light, I'm making about 50, I'm, I'm at 5,500 a month after all my bills are paid. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm, I'm traveling every three months. I've been to a PSI leadership seminar and my mindset has changed. So I'm a different person next year. I can't wait to see you guys. You're a different person every year. I know you. I might be a different person every day. It's I don't know. It's scary. That's of. awesome. All right, Ron, what are you excited about in your business right now? And how could our listeners potentially help you in whatever you're looking for? 
I'm super excited about the Airbnb business and, and getting that going with the shipping containers in the woods. I'm also, though, I am in the market for a duplex, fourplex, something like that. So if somebody has that and it can actually cash flow without me killing myself to get it to cash flow, do that. But the other thing would be is look up my Airbnb. I I think I mean if you look up pools in Omaha there's only like 5 so I'm there but our heading is amazing home with pool and hot tub and you'll see us and uh, book it. Right so we'll have a link in the show notes on that one. Oh that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the winter. We're a little slower in the winter but we still do we book out a couple weeks out of the month so yeah, you're going to you're going to want to go there. Love that. Love that. That's awesome. Well, I think uh that should be a goal is getting you to number 1 on the Omaha area Airbnb list. I like it. So let's make this happen, okay. listeners. Uh, I want to stay there, man. I like I like the Ponca area. You're coming. That's, it sounds cool. All right, yeah. I'm going to hook you up. All right. All we'll, right. We'll, we'll make this happen. Maybe we'll record there. Huh? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Side recording. Come on, man. You're there for free then. <laughs> let's do it. What mentors or people in your life would you like to give shout outs to? So listen, I did have to write this down because I knew you were going to ask this question. And this is so super important to me because the people that have showed up in my life showed up at the perfect time. And uh, I hopefully I won't get too emotional right here. But if I do, I don't know. You'll either have to radio edit or you'll see no. a grown man cry. Here's it goes. It goes, <laughs> first of all, God, save my ass. Uh, my mom has always been there, and she did go in on the first couple deals with me, which has been huge. I mean, that got me my first deal, my credits. I couldn't – it wasn't even in my name for like 10 years. Um, so my sons, Wes and AJ, with Omaha Lawnscaping, they've taken care of the lawns for me, and almost most of my yards are landscaped, and that's because of them. Do they have a website? I believe it would be omahalawnscaping.com. Okay. Uh, I'll call in with that one. How about that? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. If, if you find out, let us know. We'll put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I will. I will. And then my daughter, Amber, and and her significant other, Shane, they own Expert Appliance. They take care of all of my appliances. Give me a great deal on that. John Housechild, of course, that I mentioned. And my team, Tommy, Joe, Wilkinson, Luis, and... Most of all, Shauna, because she has been amazing. And then just in the last year, Mike and Jerry Schlickburn and, and meeting Ted, you guys have been great. So it's really boosted my my way of thinking. Well, Huge. that's that's awesome. I have to ask you on the back of this note that you're reading right now, it says something about murder mystery, uh, something else. Is that a, a random shout out you want to give or just uh, light no. reading? No, I was waiting for you to ask me um, what my favorite <laughs> podcast is. Oh, Okay. What is your favorite podcast? Uh, it's murder mystery and, <laughs> and makeup. Um, this hot chick Bailey, she does her makeup <laughs> while she does murder mystery, like true story, true crime. Uh, hey, have you seen this? So uh, on Apple TV, there is a show called Only Murders in the Building, and it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Have you guys seen this? No, I have not. It is an amazing show, like really well written. And if you remember those guys from back in the day, you know, like our our era, Ron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Really, dude? Yeah. You're not even close. Uh, but great show. Anyway, check that out. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. It's fun. There's two seasons. We binge watched it, my, my wife and I. And they're short. So I'll try it. What we always say is that, you know, Owen it looks a lot older than he really is. <laughs> what are you, like 35? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 35. <laughs> okay. In dog years. <laughs> Well, Ron, thank you so much for coming on our podcast yes. and waiting 50 episodes to come in here. 
because uh, I think you were supposed to be like episode 10 around the time I asked Maybe you. like seven. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Which is, we've had way better sounding uh, equipment since then, by the way. That's so. right. I wanted you to, I wanted you to improve on your, your skill. This is Ron Kendall in HD. Yeah. So you're Epso- welcome, Epso- listeners. Episodes are one through 10. We didn't have professional equipment, right, Denless? No, no, we had, we had. Crazy mics that was interfering and a lot of crackling and all. We had the Fisher Price starter kit for a podcast, <laughs> podcast wannabes. Uh, funny. It well, all grows up now. I'm, I'm waiting to see it on YouTube. So, oh my God. come on, oh, bro. come on, come that's, on. That's no, awesome. everybody's well, listeners, well listeners, you've heard this been talked about for I don't know how long now. Let's do it. <laughs> Ron's a podcast listener. Now, you actually listen to all of our episodes. I right? have listened to pretty much every episode. I think we actually read one of your reviews at one point too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing: you had to like show me how to make leave that review. I, I never listened. I was joking about the podcast. That first time I ever heard a podcast, Shauna was listening to that murder mystery, and Bailey was doing it. And when Ted asked me about it, I literally I didn't even know how to download it. You know, <laughs> I listened to like dead guys on YouTube. You know, like Wayne Dyer and Jim Rohn and Zig Zig. That that's that's my motivational talks, but uh, I do appreciate you guys. The, the content is awesome, and uh, if you show me how to, to how to leave a review again, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do appreciate that. Well, if you listen to the first time, we appreciate if you subscribe and give us a review. Five star would be preferred, and a written review would be even nicer. Uh, we do appreciate that. Uh, we do have one review here, and he calls himself the golden. He labeled it the golden nugget, and he calls himself the Amazon uh, customer. And it says, uh, no matter what level of investing you are at, you will find every episode is full with golden nuggets that can be applied to some area of your business. So, thank you, Amazon customer, for that uh, f- that full five star review. We appreciate it, um, and. If you would like to have your review read, uh, please write it on one of those formats, and we will definitely read it out there in the future. Uh, Please stay tuned. We do have some awesome content coming up for you guys. Uh, And we are going to head to BPCon uh, here in uh, like two days. Two days. Day and and a half. When you hear this, we'll already be back. We'll be back, yes. But um, we are going down there, and one of our goals is to get a whole bunch of amazing uh, people to interview uh, so we're going to reach out, meet some people, and we're going to try to bring you guys some an amazing content and take this to the next level. Because on my personal vision board, I wrote that I hope that we get 100,000 downloads next year. Right? Let me rephrase that. I know we will get 100,000 downloads. Go, yeah. I, I didn't want to correct him. I was waiting for Owen. I was waiting for you to look at, <laughs> give me the eye. So that is one of my goals for the next year. And uh and I know we're a growing podcast. We just passed year one, but year two, I think it's going to take us to the next level. Boom. And if you're interested in sponsoring us, please reach out to us. You can find us on Ria Radio on Instagram or Ria Radio on Snapchat. Uh, I am Kosh Money on Instagram. Or you can find Owen at Odog2424. D A W G, by the Denless way. Denless is at Denless Bootrand. Boring. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get better. At it. Okay, I'm gonna create one just for your radio. Yeah, you gotta take a page from the uh, book of Megan Ahern and have a catchy handle like uh, the Taddy Investor. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm working on it. I'm She's got some it. cool stuff. Oh, I love yeah, her. Yeah, but her, I heard Brandon Turner actually uh, told, gave her that. Gave yeah. her that, yeah. that name. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any ways that we can reach out to you? 
Uh, you can just call me 402-305-3403. Is that your is that your Instagram handle too? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have one of those, Ted. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not very computer savvy at all. <laughs> well, we appreciate you. Appreciate everybody here. And O-Dog 24, we see us out. On behalf of Dennis Bertrand, Rio Radio, Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner. You've been listening to Run, the recovering realtor, Ken Dole. Signing off. Actually, I have a backup. Ron Burgundy? Ron Burgundy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, On behalf of Ted Kosh, Dennis Bertrand, and Rhea Radio, I'm Owen Dashner, and you've been listening to Ron, I Was Born Free, Kendall. Yeah. Signing off. (laughs) 